0: Good morning, everyone. It seems impossible that it's our last morning. I kind of wish it weren't, but you know, that's true at many retreats. It's nice to be nice if we could just tack on a couple of days to continue. But as the Poets and the yogis remind us, especially in these nature poems, that impermanence is the nature of everything, isn't it? And and as some of you have reminded us in the room that it's also the it's our saving grace, the impermanence, as it means that nothing is fixed. that's also. So beautiful. Uh, I want to end with this, this morning with, a, with another Dharma study and time outside and practicing. And I've been going back and forth between thinking we would do a woods walk and thinking we'll sit for a while in the temple and then do a slow walking meditation and then sit again. As our as our final practice, so we'll see what happens. So the song that we're working with today is the song of the enchanting wildwoods, and when I started to put this this retreat together, this one leapt to mind. Um, maybe as right after the leaping into the clear light, which of course was first on my mind because it's part of what I'm working on. Then second came the Song of the Wild Woods and, and it's a favorite of mine and it's unusual and part of the the reason that it's a favorite is that it's so unique in uh, the pantheon or the, what do you, you would call it, the the, 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 the catalogue of Tibetan writings and literature, it's very, very clearly and directly an ode to centering the forest, an ode to the forest, not an ode to the Buddha. You know, most of the odes and praises in Tibetan tradition are to the past masters or to the Buddha or to a deity or to um, historical figures, uh, to archetypes of compassion and wisdom, it's very rare to encounter an ode to the forest. And in, um, I, so when I first encountered this about five or six years ago, I was really. Um, enchanted with the enchanting song, enchanted with the enchanting song. And then later, I discovered through a friend that Jikme Lingpa, who wrote Leaping into the Clear Light that we looked at yesterday, also has a forest praise. And so I've started reading that in Tibetan, and I'm going to try to translate that for the next time (laughs) that I do a retreat so we can have two forest praises, two odes to the forest to look at. So Longchenpa, who wrote this song, um, Longchen Rabjom is his long name. His short name is Longchenpa, which means the great expanse. His name is the great expanse. Longchenpa is uh, very well-known, this author, very well-known in Tibetan literature, literary culture, he is known as the most maybe the most read and studied scholar yogi of the Dzogchen tradition, this this great wholeness tradition. He wrote this collection called The Seven Treasuries that is kind of like the Bible for the Nyingma lineage, for the Dzogchen lineage, the Bible for them. So Uh, He's very well known. And when I say it's like the Bible, um, it would be hard to describe. That would be another retreat. Um, But he wrote in his Seven Treasuries, one of the Seven Treasuries is called The Basic Space of Phenomena. And essentially it lays out the view of Dzogchen, the view of the great wholeness, in a way that is really, really essentialized, so it's not complicated. It's very, um, it's very direct, and essentially, it's it's an um, it's a long love letter. This basic space of phenomena—it's like a long love letter to consciousness. It's a love letter to consciousness. And then he, um, or a love letter to awareness, if you prefer that word, (coughs) and and why I think of it as a Bible myself. I think of it as a Bible. It's my Bible for sure. It's it's the only text, the only book that I bring with me everywhere. Like I put it in my suitcase, no matter where I'm traveling. So that's why I think of it as my Bible. I'm never without the basic space of phenomena. Um It is this love letter is like um, describing what it means to be devoted to wakefulness. What does it mean to be devoted to wakefulness? So it's a long devotional love letter to wakefulness, to wakeful awareness, to wakeful consciousness. And and why I think of it as a Bible, partly it's because I take it everywhere, and you know that's what people do with their Bibles, right? They put their it's like they're never without their Bible. I'm never without that book. Um, but also because people read the Bible aloud and then they memorize the verses, so that's what I do with this book, and what many people do. I'm not the only one. There's many people that that relate to the book that way, that they read the verses aloud and then they practice and they read a verse aloud, and then they practice um, like that, and then slowly memorize those verses. Um, But also, perhaps a a Bible. I know I'm I'm diverting, but I can't help myself. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Because when you think about it... So there was a point in my life when... I was a monastic for a long time. And so as a monastic, I was a monastic for 12 years, but I was in the monastery environment for 15 years and completely immersed in that world and not really in contact with other worlds very much. I mean, other than my family in California. I would go back and visit them, come back to the monastery and and didn't have a lot of... Uh, relationships outside of the monastics and my teachers who were Tibetan. And that was a choice I made at that time. It was good, it was interesting, and of course it was very helpful to be near the Dharma like that. How it wasn't helpful, or rather what was missing, let me put it that way, what was missing is being... Exposed to and challenged by other perspectives and views, because those perspectives and views, everyone that came there was a Buddhist, right? They were all like total believers, and they were like, "Oh, this is awesome!" and you could so you could do no wrong, right? And every of course, many wrong things happen in monasteries. So don't even don't even get a start on that. But anyway, um, yeah, I once heard an, an interview with. Um, this great, the, that great singer, you know, saying hallelujah. Or Leonard Cohen, right? Leonard Cohen spent some years in a monastery. And I heard some some interview with him about that. And the interviewer asked him, wow, it must have been like so amazing and so peaceful to be living in a monastery. And he just laughed. He was like laughing uproariously at this interviewer and said, Peaceful is not the word I would use to describe that experience. He said, once you get to the monastery, you discover it's like being a big dysfunctional family. And I was like, oh, I just to hear someone articulate that, because I, I was in one for a long time. I was like, oh, I'm so glad he was brave to articulate that. Because it's, it's easier, you know, it would be nice to let people think that, oh, I lived in this such, it's enlightening, amazing. But actually, it's like a big dysfunctional family. And it's very good. You know, it's not all bad, but... Anyway, um, not peaceful is not the word. Uh, it, It was exciting and interesting and challenging. Those are the words. And sometimes peaceful, not never peaceful, sometimes peaceful. But peaceful wouldn't be the first word that one would go to describe a monastery... When you come to one from the outside, you think, oh yeah, this is so peaceful. But if you live in one on the inside, you discover it's like any, any group of people, any human people. So anyway, um, wasn't so much challenged by outer, you know, different views, different perspectives. And then I left the monastery and decided I wanted to move into a lay existence and lived in, as a layperson. And at one point I found myself in graduate school and I was doing some, yeah, I was in graduate school doing some study and some assistant teaching. And I was in a um, cafeteria, found myself sitting across from someone who was also one of the teaching assistants in this little group of people, graduate students. And and she was, I think, United Church of Christ Christian practitioner. And she, we started getting into a discussion about our different traditions and our practices and beliefs. And she said, and what came out of her mouth first, like when we started exploring things together, her first question was, what do Buddhists believe? Mm-hmm. And I was just like kind of speechless it's like what and 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 it was interesting because i hadn't really thought to myself that 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 question could be a challenge but actually it was a total it's like and and what i wanted to say to her is wrong question right, you know almost like that's not the question that we ask each other as Buddhists. What do you believe? At least in my experience, it's not about belief. And so, so we started having this really interesting conversation. She said, well, actually, in my tradition, what you believe is very important. If you don't believe in God or some kind of version of God, you wouldn't be in this tradition. And I, and I said, well, yeah, we, don't, we don't believe in God exactly. That's not... And in fact, what we believe is not that important. What we do feels important to me. Like that, as someone who's practiced a lot in this tradition, it's not so much about what we believe as it is about what we practice. What do we do? But, um, but it got me reflecting more deeply on what, what do we believe if there is something that we turn to and that we bow to, put our hands together to, what is that? What is that? And, and my answer to that is bodhicitta, maybe. And bodhicitta could be understood as wisdom and love, right? So when we put our hands together and bow, it's to this deep, potential and innate capacity for love and innate capacity for non-dual awareness, that's what we put our hands to and bow to is Bodhicitta, oh Bodhicitta. So if we have like a savior and a a, a God, maybe that's what it is. You know, maybe that's the place where we put our faith. And, and maybe we put our faith in experience because it's a practice tradition. So we bow to experience. What experience has to offer and teach, we put our hands together and we bow to experience. So anyway, I feel like in Longchenpa's Bible, in the Bible, <laughs> Bible quote-unquote, that's what it's about, It's bowing to experience and bowing to Bodhicitta, bowing to wakeful awareness, that capacity, that, and what it's like when it's inherent, that inherent goodness that we carry. That's the, and and for me, I can bow to that. That's something I can really get behind. I can get behind bowing to the human potential for goodness. I can get behind bowing to non-dual awareness, those states and ways of being feel um, important to me as a practitioner. So, so that's why. Uh, so Lungchenpa was was that kind of a being. He was a being who bowed to bodhicitta, who bowed to awareness first, above all other deities, um, external refuges. He was very much about the deep refuge, the deep refuge. Um, And yet, and yet, he clearly recognized our need for, for context and for support. And that's what this is about, this particular song, about finding support in the wild, natural world. So let's go. Let's do, let's do some Dhamma study. Dhamma study. And he has the Sanskrit there. So it's Song of the Enchanting Wild Woods. And the Sanskrit, Sana Anantavati. And in Tibetan, naksal Kundu Gawetam. And you may wonder, boy, that doesn't look like how I just spoke it doesn't look like it was pronounced like that. So that's a, a transliterate, transliteration system called Wiley used for Tibetan. So if you look at that, um, someone who knows Tibetan can then render that in the Tibetan script, looking at that string of <coughs> English letters. But for someone that doesn't know Tibetan, it looks like gobbledygook, right? Um, yes, but it is not... It's just a system for transliterating. Alright. So I'll start with the first line and then we'll we'll send it around. I prostrate to my guru and the three jewels. Perform.
1: I see the truth that this life won't last and is swiftly heading toward ruin that even this body which I've so lavishly cared for will be lost and I'll head and I'll have to head off alone to parts unknown so now I am off to the wild world.
2: sight of the path to freedom, which is solely responsible for prolonging my samsaric suffering. Now that i have seen the plague of conceptual thinking, I'm off to live in the unborn peace of the wild woods.
3: The busy cities are bonfires of desire. I see now that I catch the terrible plague of existence, I'll just
0: keep wandering the canyons of Samsara. So I'm off right now to the wild woods.
4: Every being in existence is threatened by affliction and totally bound by terrifying chains of duality. Because each one has at some point or another been my mother or father, to free them I must go to the wild woods.
5: All these outer things we keep looking to are impermanent and completely unreliable. Seeing how they change like autumn clouds my heart knows i must go to the peaceful wild woods
6: the sun of the good times of yore has set and the moon of mean people is on the rise the darkness of evil doing mara's closes in on all sides. I see it, so must I go, I must go to the wild woods right now.
7: People are so difficult to be with. The good ones won't lead the way and the bad ones never stop. (laughs) At the slightest provocation, Their mood can shift unpredictably. No matter what I do, they're never satisfied. So I can't stay here. I'm going to the wild woods.
8: If I don't take charge of my own mind, No one else is going to steer the course for me. If I'm really going to give the best counsel to my own mind, it's this. Don't stay here. You must go to the wildwoods.
9: Spending time with the spiritually immature diminishes my virtue. (laughs) And certainly makes me more negative to make sure I'm totally engaged in the positive. From today on, I must go to the wild woods.
10: These days, when you spend time with somebody, you might make a quick friend, but at a moment's notice, they can become as unbearable as an enemy. Therefore, I can't stay. I'm going to the wild woods. (laughs) (laughs)
11: <laughs> alas even the light of the sage's teachings is drawing down upon the peaks of the western mountains once it is set the lion's roar of the true dharma will not be heard again so I'm off to the wild
12: woods when explained well nobody pays attention poor explanations contradict the true dharma Since beings prefer to believe that the Buddhas have taught only that they should do what they like and nothing else. When I teach the real Dharma way, everyone reviles me like an enemy.
13: For whatever reason, when they teach non-Dharma these days, people love it even though it sends them off to the lower realms. I simply can't understand what they're up to. Seeing all this, since I aim to accomplish the benefit of beings, I can't stay. I won't stay. I'm going off to the wild woods.
14: Even though your body is beautiful with discipline, You soar on the wings of the three trainings and you've plunged into the lotus lake of study and contemplation. If you aren't also wealthy, everyone just reviles and ignores you. The evil acting, irreligious rich are treated like gods. This is an age when fools are marketed better than the holy ones. Seeing these signs of the times, I'm off to the wild woods.
15: Wherever I look, apart from people putting their energy into the material world, those practicing the Dharma path are as rare as a supernova. Having seen this to be true, if I'm going to accomplish the true Dharma, I can't stay any longer. I'm going to the wild woods.
16: Compared to those who seek distraction with every thought, people who care for themselves according to the Dharma, are altogether rare. Those who actually practice it are bullied and disregarded. Thus, I can't stay. I'm going to the wild woods.
17: Even if you spend this life in introspection, it passes so quickly without pausing day or night. Having seen that laziness always gets the better of my virtue and that this mind won't settle even a little, I'm off to the wild woods right now.
18: Because I'm distracted by the eight worldly concerns, such as preferring praise to blame. Even though I live spiritually, it's all for this one life. So I can't stay. I'm going to the Wildwoods.
19: All the good times I had until yesterday are now as real as last night's dream though sometimes they do become objects of pleasant nostalgia. Seeing how meaningless this is, I'm going to the wild woods.
0: You can go around again. Yeah.
20: Even savoring my desires, I never feel content all the pleasures that i've experienced from birth till now would not satisfy me even if they returned the mind is addicted to de- this mind is addicted to desire
21: if i'm not even securing this life's happiness in this way How will I ever achieve the nirvana I seek, which ensures benefit that lasts through all lives? So I'm done following the desire's highway. Oh, dear heart, we can do it. Let's abandon these desires and get to the wild woods.
1: Since all this thinking hasn't done me much good in order to grow accustomed to observing my own mind I'm going today to the wild woods Where you dear mind will realize lasting happiness
2: Once I'm lying on my deathbed I'll have to leave everything behind and travel on alone. This time is certain to arrive before long, so right now, I'm going to the wild woods.
3: Because this time is incredibly degenerate, even if someone like me were to teach, it won't really benefit others because I aspire to be of benefit to future ages, I can't stay here. I'm going to meditate in the wild woods.
4: Oh mind, dismiss these preoccupations that are of no help to yourself and no help to others. You must from today forth go to the wild woods to meditate on the nature of the mind in order to accomplish what will definitely bring us benefit.
5: But absolutely, I make the noble heartfelt aspiration that a time may come when I receive the opportunity to be of benefit to others, accomplishing their needs on a vast scale without thinking of myself for even a moment. Now though, if I have one thought in my heart, it's this. Don't wait. Go meditate in the wild woods right now.
6: In order to encourage those below me to listen and especially upload the Buddha Dharma, my primary concern will be the exchange of essential exchange of the essential teachings. This will spread the sage's doctrine and increase the intelligence of my own mind.
7: Whatever I conceive of is impermanent and meaningless. Even the best-conditioned things are bound to fall apart. Having seen this to be true, I will seek the sacred, undeceptive mind, the essential and indestructible truth.
8: All the Dharma collections that the sage has taught Come down to giving up desires and settling evenly in the peaceful truth, nothing else. Oh mind, consider your mortality and be intent to go to the wild woods.
9: The wild woods have been universally praised by the victors. So, they encourage anyone who has few desires and is rich in contentment to go live in the wild woods.
10: Now, when there's all this unstable thinking, the primary task is to settle mind inwardly, for it projects itself toward objects in the midst of many distractions, unable to rest for even a moment. Even if well-guarded, it follows compulsively after emotions. Therefore, I can't stay here. I'm going to meditate in the wild woods. Intellectually understanding
11: phenomena's nature phenomena's nature, and leaving them as mere objects of mindfulness is of no help. So I'm going to become intimate with the true nature of phenomena. I can't wait. I must go to the wild woods.
12: The wilds naturally entail few distractions and obligations and are free from the suffering of anxiety and adversity. So today be happy go to the peaceful wild woods which far surpass the joys of the cities of the higher realms.
13: Well. My dear mind, listen now to the charms of the wild woods. Precious trees fit to offer to the victors abound there, branches laden with fruit. Their leaves and flowers fragrant and blossoming, graced with the scent of incense and mist on the breeze. Cascades of
14: water descend with the gentle rumble of bass drums. The hills above are bathed in the coolness of the moon and covered with a thick robe of clouds, above which shine the stars and constellations in their perfect beauty.
15: Flocks of geese glide above fresh-smelling ponds and birds and deer roam freely about. Bees buzz melodiously everywhere among the lotus and uptella flowers, among the wish-fulfilling trees.
16: The trees sway, dancing back and forth, back and forth, and the tips of their branches bow as if lovingly welcoming guests saying, we're glad you've come.
17: The cool, pure ponds are covered with lotus flowers, whose faces are bright as if smiling upon us. Surrounding are groves of flowers and trees, and grassy meadows holding the robes of the sky. All of this shining like the stars on a clear night, or gods playing in pleasure groves.
18: While the cuckoo sings his intoxicating, piercing song, and the flowers sway in the cool seasonal breeze, cloud elephants trumpet their joy, and the appearance of rain heralds cooling goodness. In all four seasons,
19: guiltless sustenance can be had from readily available fruit leaves and roots.
20: In the woods the afflictions naturally subside for there is no one to say unpleasant things. Having gone far from busy cities in the woods Peaceful meditation naturally grows. In the woods, the mind is tamed as it conforms to the true dharma, and one can find the bliss of inner peace.
21: In short, the charms of the woods are endless. Even if I had eons, I could not conclusively extol them. The attainment of awakening by all the victors of the three times only occurs when staying in the wild woods, never in stressful cities and countries.
1: Offering flowers and incense to all the Buddhas for eons as numerous as the grains of sand in the Ganges would bring but a fraction of the merit gained from taking seven steps in the direction of retreat. With the qualities of the wild woods in one's mind. I encourage you thus to contemplate the qualities of the woods as detailed in the Moon Lamp Sutra.
2: once you've gone there you'll live near woods and cliffs in areas rich with medicinal herbs mid flowers and trees or in simply thatched hut made of grass and leaves you'll sustain yourself with the bare necessities such as water kindling and fruit and have the space to apply yourself day and night to what is wholesome
3: There, inspired by the turning of the leaves, you'll realize with certainty that beauty, health, and various abilities all gradually change, that they lack solidity, what is called the diminishing of one's assets.
4: There, inspired by the falling of the leaves, you'll realize with certainty that friends, strangers, even your own body are such that they separate. Even if they are together now for the moment, what is called the reality of loss.
5: There, inspired by the pond losing its lotus flowers, you'll realize with certainty that all wealth, assets and sensual objects are, in the end, changeable, lacking solidity, what is called the exhaustion of what is amassed. Amassed. I don't know. Amassed.
6: There, inspired by the passing of the months and seasons, you'll realize with certainty that even this body, like the blooming flowers of late spring, changes with time its youth passing, what is called the arrival of the Lord of Death.
7: There, inspired by the ripening and falling of fruit, you'll realize with certainty that youth the prime of life and old age are just so, that there's no certainty of when death will occur, what is called, what is born is bound to die."
8: There, inspired by reflections appearing in ponds, you'll realize with certainty that as the diverse range of phenomena appear they lack inherent nature just like illusions, mirages, or reflections of the moon in water what is called empty of true existence
9: Having thus internalized the nature of all that is. Sit upright on a comfortable seat with body at ease and cultivate bodhicitta concerned
10: with the needs of beings. Don't dwell on the past or fantasize about the future. Don't engineer this natural ongoing presence. Don't direct the mind or draw it within. Just let it settle without distraction Resting without grasping or conceptually structuring this open clarity that is vivid, quiet, lucid, illuminating. This is the wisdom intent of the Buddhas of the three times.
11: Other than settling easily relaxed in the innate experience of the way your mind abides, there's nothing you need to contemplate. So, you can release the effort it takes to engineer it, for it is not an object of conceptual elaboration. It can't be conceived of or investigated. Yet it is the wisdom
12: intent of all the Buddhas. Therefore, To quiet the tangled mess of thought, all you need to do is look into the intimately peaceful nature of mind. At the end of the session, dedicate without reifying the three spheres.
13: In between sessions, cultivate your appreciation of impermanence and death. Conditioned things have no attainable essence. And are rife with problems. Consider how samsara's nature is also like this. Once you have realized how the play of all external appearance are like a dream or illusion, let everything be within the equality of the experiential dimension of space. Don't affirm
14: or reject anything. Give up attempting to engineer experience. By living in this fashion, anything that happens will help reveal the unborn and unceasing nature of mind. Your innate nature, just as it is.
15: Also at night, when it is time to sleep, release your mind into a conceptually unstructured experience within the reality of its unborn nature.
16: When you wake and appearances dawn, repeatedly relate to them as being ineffable by nature like illusions.
17: Once you have seen this precious treasury of your mind's nature to be such that nothing need be added or removed, you will cross the painful ocean of existence to the simple experience of that which is eternally peaceful and entails no suffering, arriving at the boundless state of Buddhahood.
18: In the meantime, consider the magical play of concepts that occur as the natural arising of your essence, to which you need not grasp. Thoughts arise as the display of Dharmakaya's essence.
19: When appearances occur as you are up and about, think, I will guide these things. May I be their protector, refuge, and friend. Once you have entrusted your mind to Bodhicitta, bear in mind that your conduct should ideally be pure. You needn't think about anything other than the needs of beings. This is the miraculous tree of compassion, which nourishes the shoots of the omniscient victors.
20: This path surpasses the Shravakas and Pratyekabuddhas for it is a great lake of innumerable qualities from which the light of immeasurable compassion spreads, the incredible source of the precious state of perfect Buddhahood.
21: Nothing could be more incredible than this. Thus, anyone who is wise should definitely go meditate in the wild woods to accomplish sublime and peaceful awakening.
1: If in this way, I do not accomplish the Dharma now, later, who knows what direction I'll head in and how difficult it will be to reconnect with the path at that point. Then there'll be nothing I can do So now, while I have the chance, I must apply myself to the Dharma.
2: Nobody knows for sure whether they will die today or tomorrow. Nothing is totally reliable. The Lord of Death is drawing even nearer, and I have no power to send him back. So quickly, quickly, I'm off to meditate in the wild woods.
3: When death comes, none of our wealth, friends, or relatives will be of help any help to us. A real practitioner will have nothing to fear of death. So let death come quickly here. I'm going to the wild woods. It won't be
4: long before everyone, everything, and I will be all gone. This is certain to come to pass. So I can accomplish a bit of the Dharma now. I'm definitely
5: going to live in the wild woods. Those who live an ethically impeccable life with abundant study, good meditation, life in the wild woods, and training in what is virtuous, shall fearlessly discover great joy in the face of death.
6: The cause of that joy is exactly life in the wilds. Thus, I'm leaving to meditate there. Nobody could know for certain. If the time when I shall be no more will come tomorrow or not. On the morning of my death, nothing will protect me other than the Dharma. For the Dharma is my protector, my home, and my friend. It points me to the fine manure of the higher realms. Thus mind, remember
7: that death is coming. I must go to live in the wild woods for the love of dharma.
8: My mind sent this letter to itself. Mind, if you're listening, you are fortunate in the dharma. This message, spoken for your benefit, came straight from my heart. Mind, take it. And head to the wild woods
9: This song of the enchanting wild woods was penned by the man from Samye, whose mind was turned to liberation by renunciation on the highest mountain peak of being at ease in the nature of mind. So he would wholeheartedly head to the wild woods.
10: Through any virtue arisen from this, may all beings extract their minds from the city of Samsara and find freedom altogether in the enchanting wildwoods of omniscient liberation.
0: So, so just, just to say before we take a little break, so... Um, so he says he wrote this. Oh, he's he's the poet from glorious Samye. So Samye is uh, is where Chigme Lingpa wrote this. Leaping into the clear light. There's a really strong connection between the two of these poets. So let's take a little break. Let's and then we'll continue. So. Maybe five minutes, give yourself a chance to use the facility stretch and come back at 3.15 or so or
9: 10.15
6: I was thinking of what we talked last night about the awareness and consciousness and I had forgotten but I think in Sanskrit there is a
0: All right. So um, a few people have had to go um, this morning early, and um, Caroline is going to have to go at 11. So just so you're aware, she may slip out. And um, yes, thank you for coming. I just wanted to um, let all of you know that I will be uh, been p- getting some questions about further study or resources that at the end of this session, I will go into that. but I'd like to hold off because, you know, I want to be with us, or re- with you now, here and now. And then we'll go into that later in the session. And also, some of you have been asking about, <clears throat> could I sign your? Book, and I'd be happy to do that. So if you want that, bring that also towards the end of the session. We'll, we'll move into resources in the last 20 minutes of the session, and, and also I'll, I'd be happy to sign books if you have one with you. All right, so back to study, back to Dhamma study. Song, our song so some words and phrases and when <clears throat> when we speak out the words and phrases just a word or a phrase not we don't have to read the whole stanza because we just did that we all just read the we read all of it together so just just the words and the phrases that pop for you Ha
9: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: Thank you.
16: Ha <laughs>
3: highway. Give up attempting to engineer's the evil happy and
0: irreligious rich and treat you like gods.
1: Lasting
4: happiness. Friends, strangers, and even your own body are such that they separate.
21: Mm-hmm.
8: But the finishing.
14: The city of existence.
13: Even savoring my desires, I never feel content.
15: The lion's roar, the true darling, Mm -hmm. will not be heard again.
7: Change.
20: Mm -hmm. Discover great joy in the face of death.
5: Mind, if you're listening.
6: Lord of death.
14: Higher realms. Don't affirm or
7: reject anything.
18: for the suffering and anxiety and adversity.
4: Each one yeah. has at some point or another been my mother or father.
17: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The cause of their joy is exactly life and love.
6: Sensara.
21: Perfect Buddhahood. Securing his
0: Moving to moods and feelings, moods and feelings.
6: Inspired. Get me
8: out of here. Mm -hmm.
0: all right let's go deeper that's great let's go so um, so now with with raising hands and with the mic um, (laughs) um, so so what went with what popped out at you what struck you about what popped out and and with or or with a mood or feeling um, where do you what do you see him trying to convey to us through his, through the poem like that
7: what struck me the most was how it was like it could be written today And there is, to me, um, he's got this combination of disgust and um, something else, but I can't think of what I want to say. Soul-crushing disappointment in the times.
0: Yeah. So... When was this written? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Uh-huh. Yesterday. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. This was written in the 14th century. 14th century. Can you imagine? It, it, there's something so
7: overwhelmingly, I don't know, something... To know, well, it's cyclic, it's samsara, it's
0: what it is. It's proof for me. Yeah, it seems like so much has changed, and yet human condition.
7: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like he has seen,
7: he's been watching the same news I've been watching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I feel them so much, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if there's one thing that I'll take away from this whole thing, it's this, Mm -hmm. that it is the same feeling, Mm -hmm.
0: what, 14th century? 14th century, so you lived in the 1300s, yes. 2023,
7: so
0: yeah. Yeah. So thank you for this. Mm -hmm. It's still relevant. Yes.
11: To me, the Dharma, you know, um, citing pain and suffering and gain and loss and all of those things, um, it is the human condition and it doesn't matter what century it was. So good news, bad news... um, This is what we're working with, the mind and the trappings and the pleasures and desires and aversion and all of that. But the hopeful is that there's an antidote and get out of your head, get into the woods is the antidote. And it's all right there. And the lessons that we need of impermanence and um, beauty and... It's all right there,
17: so that's what I got. Mm-hmm. so i I look at this with, I guess, a little bit of discernment around motivation. Uh, to me, from the first it's, it's there's really three sections. I think the first section is what's wrong with the world. second section is. So, the woods is the answer, here's why, and then liberation is like the last part of it. So, I get that the woods, the wild woods is a wonderful place, and I've experienced it here, to engage deeper practice. Absolutely. Don't question that. But I do question his motive. It's almost like when we leave a bad relationship, we blame the other person. And I, and I have a sense that he's doing that and some of the words even speak to that. Like he's really leapfrogging out of this city life to mm. go to the woods and justifying it because of everything that's wrong. Like, like even unbearable is the enemy. Yeah. You know? Some
0: kind of avoidance. Yeah. Avoid, right. Avoidance. Yeah. 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 Avoidance
17: and, and, and escape. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. So what do you do with that? Uh,
17: you accept it. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of us are in that place now. You know, I mean, I did it in the 70s when I went to live in a hippie commune, You know, right. same thing.
0: Okay. The, sort of the renouncing of the world to yeah. find yeah. freedom, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
17: Uh, and it has its purpose, there's no question about it, because it takes you to a place where there is a different reality, and you can learn a lot from that different reality, as no doubt you did in a monastic community and I did living in an ashram. You know? yes. It teaches you a lot. But is it, and I had to ask myself that question, is this the life I want? Do I want to stay here? And if I was here in the woods, do I want to stay in the woods? And the answer to that for me, I don't expect it needs, needs to be the same for anyone else, is no, I have work to do in the world. If the Dharma is going to serve others, it's not going to serve them, me sitting in the woods.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and this, and this you, we are, yes, right? You're feeling that in here, yeah. right? and and certainly definitely i should just say in bringing this song to all of you i'm not saying this is what we should do right right I'm more right. like isn't this isn't this like parts of it are can be inspired oh absolutely yeah yeah but, yeah. but yeah, yeah i know and i have the same concerns i just want to kind of mirror that back to you is yeah. the avoidance piece yeah and in general i have those concerns about about practice of spirituality and and what does it mean to renounce? And what are we really trying to renounce? What we're trying to renounce can't be renounced. It's right. it's the... I mean, it's hard. You can't just change your hairstyle and put on robes and suddenly you have no desire and no aversion anymore. Right. It's the opposite. The moment you do that, and, and I think here, really... And then maybe he knows this. I mean, he, he was quite an experienced practitioner. The moment you get to the wild you realize you're still the same mess. Mm-hmm. And then that's really what has to be worked okay. through, right? Yeah, yeah. That can't really be avoided. So maybe, maybe he knows that in saying this is that in the wild woods, we're going to have to face ourselves, yes. which is what I would have wanted to add into the poem. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And in the yeah. wild woods, yeah. there's no yeah. escape.
17: Yeah, I, I, I guess when I reflect on it overall, for me, it's like a there's a middle there's a middle path, and the middle way for me and it is is to use things like the wild woods as a way as a, as a refuge, and a way of going deeper into the Dharma, but then to come out of the woods and try it on in the world, and then maybe go back again.
0: And when you look at this actual person's life, that's what he was doing his whole life. He was not disengaged. He traveled okay. to Bhutan. He founded his own little temple there. He was totally engaged. Okay. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? He wasn't one of the yogis that went off and disappeared into the mountains forever. He was, he was in and out, just like you're describing. He was in and out. Um, Thanks, yes. for,
17: thanks for clarifying. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes,
4: yes. I heard that the nickname of IMS is I'm a mess. Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's
0: good. I've never heard that one. I like it. Uh-huh. That
16: was a great exchange and um, I guess the thought I had was, um, you know, the line that, you know, he has this disdain for the world. And yet he also says you needn't think about anything other than the needs of beings. So it's a distancing from those tendencies that make us suffer and yet a love of the being that is pure consciousness, right? That, yeah, the the love experience that we share. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, kind of related to... Um, what you were just talking about is, you know, the woods being almost metaphorical, that we have to kind of create our own refuge of sorts, know what is our anchor and what works for us, um, and what kind of brings us back to our, the ground of our being. Um, cultivating that, I think, is probably the, the main message, is mm-hmm. what I was getting.
0: Yes, and he even admits at the end, it's a metaphor, I mean he admits quote-unquote, very, very, very end, right? He goes all the way through and then at the very end he actually says actually may all beings extract their minds from the city of samsara and find freedom altogether in the enchanting wildwoods, quote-unquote, of omniscient liberation. So he's he's already saying there, he's like, really what I'm saying is we're going into the wakeful space. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I'm really saying. And even the word wildwoods, he means wilderness. He doesn't necessarily mean the forest, although the forest is implied in the word, in the word, and Naktra, which is the word in Tibetan, it implies that. But I think he means the wilderness in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in general. Not specifically forest, but like, away from the, the machinations of the human world and into the wild spaces, yeah. yeah.
9: yeah. Well, what struck me in particular was the title. Um, you are sort of expecting a fantasy story of beauty and Disney and happy endings. <laughs> Disney. You're definitely from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, right?
9: Right? And it's quite the opposite. Um, but also, I think he's dealing with the idea of there is no better than here, or the grass is always greener. Uh, we have to deal with the here and now. And uh, I'm quite amazed at how cyclical it is, being from the 14 or the 1300s, and we're feeling the same thing now. Mm-hmm. So, is there a solution?
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and is and he says yes. Right, mm-hmm. he does say yes.
9: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can see that too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it to you guys to pass
0: the mic. Yes.
1: Um, thanks, Eric, for noticing I had my hand up for a long time. But actually, I forgot your name. Um, no, behind you. Leslie. Leslie. Le- but Leslie actually said the exact thing I was going to say, which is, um, you know, the line, you needn't think about anything other than the needs of beings. And then the next line This is the miraculous tree of compassion. Um, And I guess for me, my own experience is that, you know, in transforming my own suffering and having compassion for myself, then that creates the compassion for others. And it actually is not really possible to have compassion for others unless I've done my own deep work. So...
2: I thought the use of intoxicating and piercing for the cuckoo's song was interesting. It's almost like dangerous in a way. Um, Talking about the geese and the flowers um, was like a nice reflection. Then there's also some danger in it. So Maybe going back to what we were talking about that if you stay in nature too long, you can really get intoxicated by it and start to pull away from Reality. Mm.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes. Good
12: observation. Yeah. There's um, a blunt stop every now and then when he butts up against death, and it comes up often, and so it made me think that he was very, very old when he wrote this, mm-hmm. um, because I don't remember thinking about death so much until I got. Older, <laughs> but
0: um, well, back then old was like thirty-five. Yeah, yeah,
12: right. But it's like a reckoning, you know. He keeps thinking about the deathbed and uh, uh, and maybe samsaras and uh, um, uh, how is he going to live? And then, oh my God, I'm going to go to the wild wildwoods.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know how old he was when he wrote this, yeah. but I bet it's discoverable. Do you
12: know how old he was when he passed
0: away? I could find that, yeah. I could find that maybe in our break and bring it back. Yeah.
19: Mm-hmm. I found it interesting that he was searching and grasping for something, like we do. We search and we want to grasp and we want to hold on to and have it work and heal us. And then you realize, oh boy, that didn't work. And we're off searching and grasping. And to try to get rid of that, I'm not sure it's possible. If we're looking for the wild and the true, true being out there, which I can grasp, I don't know. I still think it's a part of grasping and searching.
0: Mm. 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 Yeah, right. That's another question. Is he, is he, um, is he grasping? Is it a wise grasping? Yeah. Question. Go yeah. mm-hmm.
8: yeah, I was I was struck by the pronouns, and um, in the beginning, you know, I really need to do this. I, I, you know, it's like I'm like, get on with it. Why, why, what's keeping you from going? You know. Uh, <laughs> Let's go, and and then it's, it. It's like he's, it, it's like then he's then it working was like, up to it. <laughs> what's, that? what's that? I missed
0: that. Oh, is it? It's like he's working up to it. Yeah, he's trying right, to work right. himself up to it.
8: And and then yeah. I think, if I remember correctly I want to read it again. Then it's okay. This is what you should do. You, you all should do this, and then it's a sense of, it's great out here. You know, I'm do, I'm in the woods. I'm in the wild wood. And we, then it kind of cycles back now. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like it, it kind of goes into present tense, and then it comes back to, you know, it's good to go into the wildwood, and this is what you should do. So I was really struck by the, the pronouns and the sense of time. And I, I was, it was a, the structure, you know, I guess I'm a very much more linear person. It, it kind of was all over the place, it felt like to me. Mm -hmm. which I really appreciated, (laughs) but I was not, I was struck by it, yeah. So
0: So someone's phone, whose phone is that? Okay, thank you. You just put it on silent, thank you so much, yeah. Mm
6: -hmm. So I feel like um, this is kind of talking about the collective trauma that we all, even in those um, even in those times, uh, maybe it was happening, but it's even more evident in evident in these times where the collective trauma of the pandemic and the 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 use of electronic gadgets and everything else. Um, so sometimes you have to rise above and have some distance in order to get a different perspective, you know, to help because he clearly says here, because I aspire to be of benefit to future ages. You know, in this case this is like a big push to all of us, saying, Hey, these are the reasons I I encourage you to go to the wild woods and so for me I guess it's not an escape You know, even though it may sound like it, but sometimes uh, with all our addictions in this day and age, we need this kind of push, you know, and this kind of urgency to uh, propel us to do something much more meaningful. And also, I think for me, even though he's talking about death quite a bit, for me, I, I feel like the death is the cessation of the current moment, you know? So the death is not somewhere out there. It's right now, because once this moment passes away, the death already happened.
0: This life is now slipping away. Exactly, yes. yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. So, so for me, that's the urgency, mm-hmm.
0: so. Very. So very interesting, right? To, th- to read this as a template for healing, that he has been traumatized by this thing that he's calling here samsara. He's been traumatized by his human interactions. Whatever's going on in his life, he's like, I've been traumatized by this world, and I need to heal, and I need to awaken for the benefit of others. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in this... Temple of the wilderness, and he's working himself up to, to do it because that's brave, it's courageous, it's a courageous act to heal, right? Courageous to heal. But that's, that's a good, uh, interesting read that it's a template for healing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That we all need to heal. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, yeah, Caroline's um, reflection made me think that the wild woods are uh, a metaphor for death. Um, I guess, like, I mean, it, which also goes to show that death doesn't have to just be um, bad, <laughs> it's also enchanting. Um, we can make peace with it. Um, but, and then what Yogi was saying, it, I feel real, I I feel hopeful because I guess, so the, you know, this feeling of swiftly heading toward ruin, I, I feel that. And I, I guess I've thought like, that's a, that's a thing of like my generation and younger and maybe just like all of us that it kind of feels like i mean especially with the pandemic with like the leadership um it feels like yeah this is almost over um and it's very easy to lose hope um and think there's not much we can do but then seeing that this is from so long ago <laughs> uh the same concerns and that he's saying i can do something to help um, people in the future and here we are in the future and you know it's helping. Um, It's a reminder that it looks bad but the earth is going to be here after we're gone and we can do something I mean we don't know that it's going to help anybody but it gives some some fire and some, some purpose to to live in that way.
9: Thank you.
2: What Mike said about the how it's not linear. I'm having fun thinking about if he wrote this poem or this song over a lifetime, or if it's like a collective stream of consciousness from just like one sitting. It almost seems like there are those different stages of I need to go, I'm here, this is what I learned. Um, So it's kind of fun to think about. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, yes. Could have been could have been a slow writing, or could have been more quickly. Yes. So I do want to <clears throat> do some practice with you all <clears throat> this morning. So why don't we take a little break? And I'm, we're going to practice here in the hall. And we'll do a nice, slow walking meditation outside and then come back into the hall so we can you know, keep the energy here together on our last morning. But we'll, we'll definitely enjoy the outdoors. Uh, uh, I could say a forest sweep, a short forest sweep. And then we'll come back in. All right, so we have 10 minutes to break and use the bathroom and stretch and then come back at 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. Will we go into the woods or just be around? Just right here, yes. You don't have to get any special shoes. Yeah, we'll stay close. <clears throat> We're
6: still
0: keeping the noble side. Yes, yes. And-